Hey, as we uh, have been working through um, the last four weeks, uh, this, this study of This Is Us, really just uh, tailored to who we are and who we want to be uh, as Christ followers, as a church, as individuals daily walking with Him. And uh, we've been talking about five ways to engage in this body. If you were to say, how do I get involved? What can I be a part of that will help move the ball down the field with Centerville Community Church? We've been sharing those. And last week we talked about uh, the second couple items, uh, those being to, to, to get into a discipleship group, an ongoing small group. We believe it is so important to do life together uh, to get out of rows and get in circles with each other and, and begin to, to share with one another, to get to know one another, and to do life one-on-one. My group starts this week at 6 a.m., a balmy 6 a.m. on Tuesday morning. I'm um, looking forward to that, um, but hopefully you'll find one as well. There's so many happening. I know Mike Carroll's class is launching uh, this week on Sunday mornings and on, on Thursday nights, and there is a laundry list more. And also, one other thing about our groups app, some of you have gone there and noticed a lot of the groups were closed. Um, we kind of retooled that. We did that because we wanted everybody to go to the welcome page first, and then we would funnel them out. But now we've just created them all to be open, the ones that are, and you can go find those uh, in the atrium or on your own time, and it's also in your bulletin to check out. And the second one was this, for us to find our God job, for us to find our niche here, our place to serve. Remember last week, uh, we looked in uh, Ephesians and 1 Corinthians where it talks about that we are one body with many parts, and that all of us have a role to play. We all have a part to play. And last week, we popped up on the screen uh, this this video about gears, and you can pop up the picture now to show the importance of, of all of these gears. None of them will work unless the other one is doing its part. That each gear is interdependent with one another, and so is the body of Christ. We are interdependent with one another, that God's given us all various gifts to edify, to build up, to encourage the body to be the body of Christ. And we ask, are you doing your part? That I don't think there's anything more beautiful than when the local church is clicking on all cylinders and everybody's all in to what God's called us to do. Today, uh, we're going to look at the fourth and fifth way to engage here at Centerville Community. Uh, And those fourth and fifth ones are to engage with us as we serve and live out God's call in this community, Centerville, in the greater Dayton area. And then also engage with us as we serve and, and send and help fund those things that go on all over, all over the world, which will be core to who we are for a very long time. So not only is it important for us to, to go and to give the gift of time and serve, but one of the great primary ways that we can be a part of of helping what goes on in this community and what goes on around the world is through giving, is through giving. And the Bible has a ton to say about giving. And I want to read a verse to you uh, in, in Matthew 6, 19 to 21, because what we're invested in truly shows where our heart is. The Bible speaks so clear to that. And it says in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, it says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Verse 20, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. It says walk through life with a heavenly perspective. Keep your eyes on the things above, right? Don't store up treasures for things on this earth. Man, man, live your life for heaven. Live your life for something bigger than, than, than yourself where moss and vermin do not destroy, it says. 
And where thieves do not break in and steal, for wherever, this is the verse you've heard a thousand times, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And in verse 24, it says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve, Matthew says in his book, you cannot serve both God and money. You know, talking about money, sometimes in the church, people always thought of it as this touchy thing. that We just keep your arms linked away. Let's not talk about it. Let's not ruffle any feathers. But how can you not talk about something that is just overwhelming uh, truth and themes throughout all of Scripture? That throughout Scripture, there's some 2,300 verses devoted to wealth and possessions and, and the things that we accumulate uh, that, that it talks about. And Jesus spoke almost 15% of his sermons were about, were about money and were about wealth and were about possessions that don't let them have you. 11 out of the 39 parables were about money. So if it's important to God's heart, it's got to be important to ours. And the huge question that we'll ask today is this, is are we, are we honoring God truly? Could you say right now in my life, I'm honoring God with my money? There's no question that I am, right, that you ask yourself that question. There's a couple uh, spots on the continuum that we find ourselves when it comes to our money, and especially in the American culture. And today, if there's any group of people that should talk about money, um, it should be the American church. That there's one side of the continuum that's all about, it's all about greed. And Webster's definition says it's just intense, selfish desire for something especially wealth. Uh, we have to admit, in our country, we have a lot of somethings that we often have an intense desire to have. We look around, and we want it. We need it. We've got to have it. And then the other side of the continuum is greed. Is The, 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 the opposite side of this is, is we view our money in relationship of stewardship. The, and here's what that Webster says about stewardship. It's the conducting, the supervising, or managing of something especially the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. That God has entrusted you and I with a lot of things, one of those things being, being money. And that we are stewards of every good and perfect gift, every resource that he's brought our way, that we should view it through the relationship and through the lens of stewardship. That greed it looks like this. Greed comes to a place on this continuum where it's all about maximizing the, the most amount of things I can acquire in the, in the biggest bank account I can possibly get. That's what greed would say I'm all about. And living a, a greedy life is, is living a life that has an intensity for, for more. Uh, there's a story sometime back about a, a guy in France that was in his upper 60s, almost 70s, and he found himself uh, just sick all the time. For, for years, he was, he was sick, sick, sick. And he also had some psychiatric illness going on. And he found himself at Cholet General Hospital in France. And he found himself in the hospital, and he goes in, and the doctors say, well, we need to, he's like, my abdomen, my whole stomach is just absolutely killing me. Something is not right. And they did an x-ray on this man, and you can pop it up on the screen if you wish with that picture. And they opened him up, and they found some, they needed to do surgery on him. And as they opened him up, they were absolutely shocked because they found over 350 coins 
that they pulled out of his stomach and they, and they placed on the operating table as they cleaned him out. You can see the x-ray. They said that the, the coins were so heavy that it was, it was ruining every, every organ in the inside and it was almost down to his hips with the weight of the coins that were going on. Obviously, this guy had some problems, right? <laughs> I would think so. I'm going to make an assumption this morning. I'm going to bet that there's nobody in this room uh, that is going at home and the way that you collect coins is you... You digest them and you swallow these coins. Is that a pretty safe bet? But I'm also going to say today this, that although you may not be at a place, and we as Americans may not be at a place where a lot of people are swallowing coins, uh, I think we could all agree that we are gorging ourselves with possessions, with pleasure, with money, and with more. And we're no different as we look as silly as it may be that this guy is just shoveling coins into his stomach. And I think, man, we are not much different. And Jesus had a ton to say about greed, and he also had some big warnings about greed. And anytime Jesus has some warnings, I want my ears to perk up, and and, and I want to listen closely. And here's what he said in Luke 12, verse 15. He said, then he said to them, watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. Why? Because it slips in so easily. Be on guard because it can just creep in. And before you know it, uh, the thing that you begin to acquire, it begins to own you. And it says, life uh, does not consist of an abundance of possessions. And in Luke 12, 16 through 21, he told him this parable. I love when he tells these stories and they all relate. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, he said, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. And then who will you get? Uh, And then you will get what you have prepared yourself for. And this is what Jesus wraps it up saying in verse 21. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Jesus just calls it out for what it is and he says, you fool. Greed is foolishness. And if the testimony hasn't been lived out a million times through history and even today that the acquisition of more, more, more and building this incredible account uh, doesn't lead to, to joy, But the exact opposite we've watched happen too many times. When the money has us, it leads to loneliness, it leads to brokenness, and it leads to hopelessness. And in Acts 20, verse 35, it says very clearly, it is more blessed to give than what? Than receive. That giving in the right spirit, it's true, it's an act of worship. That when we give to God and we say, God, you have been so good to me, you have blessed me, you have given me more than I ever deserve, I give you this small token back just to say, thank you. Thank you, God, for blessing me. Do you think God actually needs our money? I was thinking about that this week. Do you think God needs a dime of my money? Uh, well, if he, can, if he can speak the world into existence without my check, I figured he probably doesn't. But you know what he wants? And you read it all throughout Scripture, and we get caught up in the amount and the percentage and all. He wants your heart. And then when He has your heart, radical generosity is who you are, and it's who you want to be. And you live out Acts 20, verse 35, that man, it is more blessed to give than to require, you know, acquire and receive. 
David actually sang a song that, that goes towards this in Psalm 116, verse 12. He says, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits towards, towards me? When we give, we're submitting to his lordship. We're, every act of obedience is submitting to his lordship, saying, God, you bless me, and I want to give to people. We exhibit God's heart when we give. Every good and perfect gift is from above, right? So when we give, we want to be image bearers of Jesus. So as we are these many Jesus image bearers to the world, let's model what he has done for us. He gave. He gave a lot. And we want to be that same image bearer back. Man, when we, when we give, we're trusting God for provision in our life. When we give to a place where it actually hurts, right? Uh, we're saying, God, I'm going to trust you that you're going to be my sustainer, that you're going to be my provider. God, I want to be a part of this grand, glorious story called the local church, not only in this community, but around the world. So it's a big question to ask. How, how do you view the money that God's entrusted you with? Is it on the continuum of, of greed? I want more or do you see every dime that comes your way as, God, I want to steward this for your ways and for your, for your kingdom? About eight years ago, I read a book that wrecked me when it came to money, when it came to giving, when it came to global missions. And some of you probably have read it, maybe even had a small group on it, um, with The Whole in a Gospel uh, by Richard Stearns. Anybody read that book? Uh, pop it up on the screen. Uh, Richard Stearns is the president of World Vision. Uh, reading this week that he's actually retiring at the end of 2018, but his book uh, had so much impact on my life when it comes to this idea of the American church that we need to get some of these truths and facts that he was sharing. And I want to share some of them with you today so that I can just paint a picture of how blessed we truly are because church, we're rich. If you're an American, you're rich. doesn't matter what your, your check that you take home, it is greater than any, most half the world. Here's what Richard Stearns has to say. He says 2.6 billion people live on less than $2 a day. That's, you can do the math times two per year what that looks like. One billion people live on less than a dollar per day. So you can do the math that over half the world lives on less than $2 a day. The average American lives on $105 per day. And I would say that's on the low end for most Americans, that we are so rich. That if you make $25,000 a year and you live in America, you're thinking that's not much, you, are in the, you, you're, you make more than 90% of the world. That if you make over $50,000 a year, you make more than 99% of our world. And often we don't jump into the whole giving things because we don't realize how rich we truly are because we base our wealth on things we don't have, Right? We look around and say, oh, I don't have that. I don't have what they have. I don't have a house like that. I don't have a car like that or a vacation home like that. I must not be rich. But as Americans, we're filthy rich. Over half the world living on less than $2 a day. And we think, well, I'm not that rich. And then you come to realize 93% of people around the world don't even have a car. And we look around and think, well, my old junker in the parking lot, pretty nice, right? 93%. Richard Stern shares some stats that are absolutely mind-blowing, and we come along and live this life and think our American lifestyle is so normal, but it is anything but normal compared to most of the world, and we find ourselves in tough spots. 
I want to make this, that he, the statement that he made, that the American church today, the American church today, we that make up the American church, we're, we're, we're richer than any other group of Christians that's ever lived in history. Is that mind-blowing to think about that? Or what? That the, the, that the total income of American Christians is $5.2 trillion dollars. American Christians, those that call themselves Christ followers and they, they're church-going people, $5.2 trillion. And Richard Stern says this. He doesn't even think it needs the full 10%, that just 1% of that could completely bless and help the, the poorest 1 billion people in the world out of extreme poverty. You know why giving is so important? You know why doing our part is so important? Because we're called to be the church. We're called to be the church, not only to this community, but around the world. To say it another way, we can say it like this, that we as American Christians only make up 5% of Christians all around the world, but we as American Christians, we have 50%, over 50% of all the wealth of all the other Christians around the world. To whom much is given, much is expected. So when you ask the question, man, if we're so filthy rich, how, in the, how, how do we do on tithing? We must be knocking it out of the park, right, as, as the American church. How do we do in tithing? Well, for the, the average American household, uh, the tithe, uh, the only 5% of American households tithe. And let me, let me frame that up. That if we're, we're making the statement that the tithe is, is that, that a 10% uh, gift, uh, that only 5% of American households give. So you would say, well, what about born-again Christians? It's got to be better, right? These church-going people, me. It, it is a little bit better. It goes up to 9%. That 9% of American Christ followers say, all right, I'll do, I'll do 10%. 9%. Absolutely incredible. James has something to say in James 5, 1 through 5, and we... We talked about this last fall. Uh, people in the church were using their money to kind of shift their weight around, to get their way. Uh, and James had a stern, stern warning. He said, do not allow this to creep in to the church. And he says, now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of your misery that is coming to you. Your wealth has rotted and moss have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you. And eat your flesh like fire. You've hoarded your wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay, the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in, a, in luxury and self-indulgence. Self you have fattened yourselves to the day of slaughter. Wow. We think today what would be, how much are we truly giving as, as the American church uh, church members are actually at 2.58%, that the average American uh, that goes to church and says, I'm a Jesus follower. And if you would have went back to 1933, when the Great Depression was going on, when people literally had nothing, uh, the average home was 3.3%. So you can see as our income has increased, our giving has, has decreased. Richard Stearns wrecked me when he talked about what the church actually does with gifts around the world as well, that only 2% of church's entire uh, income that comes in uh, goes out 
to global missions. 2%. That means the other 98% stays right there within the local church. They use it for themselves and for their own local needs. And I'm here to encourage you from the positive point of, of, of this part is that you are a part of a church that blows it out of the water when it comes to that. Last year, this church gave 24% of every dollar that came in, 24 cents went out to, to parachurch ministries and to global ministry all around the world. So we're knocking it out of the park when it comes to that. But the average church, the average church is, two, is 2%. So I asked the question, what could truly happen? If it's really $5.2 trillion for American Christians, what would truly happen if just American Christians brought the whole tithe the whole tithe, right? Like Malachi talks about to the storehouse. How might God's work on this earth change? How might we be viewed a little bit differently around the world? Well, Richard gave us some stats about that. That if the American church would go from this 2.58% average uh, to an actual just 10%, just a baseline tithe of 10%. In the Old Testament, they called it tenthing. You would give a 10% of your net worth. Offerings were above and beyond to all the other things that were going on. A tithe and an offering. And he said, if we would just baseline 10%, I'm not even talking about offerings. You don't need to give anything above and beyond. Listen to what would happen. That we could wipe out world hunger. We could have clean water for almost all 3.6 billion of the people that we mentioned earlier. That of the 26,000 children that die every day around the world from starvation and lack of, of medicine, uh, we, could, we could simply eradicate that. If the local church, this man that's connected with World Vision all around the world, he says if the local church would just baseline give 10%. He says that that extra $168 billion that, we would, that would be brought to the local church to send around the world he thinks we'd only need like $65 billion of it to actually make any of this stuff happen. And let me give you some sobering stats. The Americans spend about $705 billion on entertainment and recreation every year. Teenagers in America spend roughly $179 billion of your dollars every single year. Americans spend $65 billion on jewelry, $58 billion on lottery tickets. The U.S. government only spends about $40 million on on aid around the world. Imagine the local church, 168 billion. We would be giving more to the world than any and all governments combined. Can you see, can you get the picture of when the local church lives out what it means to be the local church, the impact that we would truly have through giving in this community and around and around the world? It would be absolutely, absolutely mind-boggling. To this date, we average only about $5 billion that gets sent overseas to some 700 agencies, denominations, non-denominations to reach people for Jesus Christ. To much is given, much is expected. When we talk about engaging with our local community and we talk about engaging with our world, this is the heartbeat of it. Because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And not only do we want to go, not only do we want to go be the hands and feet and serve people, but the ability to give can literally change lives for the gospel, for the gospel message. Matthew 5, 16, it says in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in 
heaven. Man, this vision should capture the imagination, I think, of every church-going Christian, that why aren't we doing this? We could literally change the world. We've created uh, recently, if you got the e-news, a couple uh, different ways for our church to get engaged through giving. And you can pop it up on the screen. Uh, Just recently, we moved from uh, a tool called Simple Give uh, to a tool called Push Pay, which we just put on our website this last week. Uh, There's a couple really good things about this. That One, you can go to our church website. For those that give online, you can go to our church website to, to give there. You can also text Centerville to 77977. It'll send you a link. You can give on your phone immediately. Um, And then also, when our new app comes out here in the next three or four weeks, there'll be a give section on there, and all you have to do is click on that, either in service or as you're at Starbucks, wherever you may be, and you can give on that. One of the great tools that we've uh, done with this particular uh, app that we really like is every year we're spending some five or $6,000 as a church on bank charges. Uh, whether we uh, bring in checks that still cost us money for us to get them to the uh, to process through the bank, it's a minimal amount. But then also for our credit card, debit card, uh, and other means by which people give online. And within uh, PushPay, there's a box I give online. There's a box on PushPay uh, for those that would feel like, I can do that. I should do that. There's a box on there to click on that you can actually help offset by paying your bank charge as you give that online gift. And by doing that, you'll open up another five dollars or $6,000 for us to do ministry uh, in, this, in this community and around the world. It's a, great, it's a great, great tool. But I encourage you today, no matter where you're at on the spectrum, to get engaged through giving. I unashamedly ask you to get engaged with what God is doing around the world. Maybe you say, well, I'm not giving anything right now. Start with 1%. Next year, go to 2 Some of you are at 5 10 Some of you have means that you're at a place where you can give way beyond that. I'd encourage you to pray about it, to think about it. And as we hear some of these stats from Richard Stearns to say, man, am I, am I engaging in my part? Am I doing what God's called me to do? I want to share one last closing word with you. Uh, a guy named R. R. Scott Roden wrote a book called Stewardship in the Kingdom, and he, he vividly paints a picture between giving and our faith. I'm going to read it to you, and we'll close. It says, We must never for a single moment lose sight of the stark realization that whenever we deal with money, we're dealing with dynamite. Listen to what he says here. What is one day that which we control, the next day becomes the controller. Such dynamite uh, must be diffused. And the greatest diffuser that we as Christians have at our disposal is the opportunity to take that which seeks to dominate us and simply give it away. He says, think about it. There's no greater expression of money's total lack of dominance over us or its low priority in our lives than when we with joy and peace give it away for the Lord's work. You cannot worship the idol of money and be a free and cheerful giver. Likewise, you cannot serve the living God and be a hoarder of his resources. Giving, both how we give and how much we give, is the clearest outward expression of who our God really is. 
Our check stubs speak more honestly of our priorities than our church memberships. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, Command those who are rich. That's me. That's you. In this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for the blessings that you have showered on us, that you've showered on the generations preceding us, that you've showered on our children. And God, with that, nudge our hearts because there's a huge responsibility on our end to not leave on, lead on the, the greed end of the continuum, but lead on the end of this, to see it as a, as a stewardship opportunity. An opportunity to steward that in which you've entrusted to us for this short little time we call life on this earth. God, help us to steward it well. Help us to maximize it for the kingdom of God. God, thank you for the, the generosity of this church over the, 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 the last 40 years, over the last year, over today. You've blessed this church beyond our wildest imagination. But with that comes a huge responsibility. And we want to steward it well. God, thank you, thank you, thank you for first loving us. And God, I pray that we're about to take this offering, that you would use it to change lives. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.